Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to a special bonus episode of Mr. Benfica. In fact, this is a snippet from the season premiere of the Parking the Bus podcast. Um, I'm joined in this episode by my good friend from Benfica After 90, uh, Mario Mata, up there in Ontario, Canada. And in this episode, him and I, we're going to get off the Benfica topic for for an hour or so. And we are going to talk about the recent United States versus Canada World Cup qualifying match that took place in Mario's backyard in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, um, in which Canada beat the United States 2-0 and cemented themselves atop the group here in the CONCACAF region of North America. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this this conversation. Um, Mario pretty much just shares his experience of attending this match in January outside in Canada. Very, very cold today, but a very memorable, memorable day for fans of Canadian football. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I bring a U.S. perspective, but I, I mostly... Um, I'm interested in hearing Mario's Mario's experience and hearing about what the match was like for him having been there. And um, right now, it looks like Canada is going to make it to the World Cup, which you know Portugal wishes they were sitting in the in the position that Canada is in right now. And um, the United States not looking too bad either, although there's a lot of overreaction. But if you wanted to know anything about the Canadian uh, men's national team, uh, I think uh, this is a good episode for you, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, the The recording did cut off mid sentence on Mario, so he's going to end abruptly. Um, I have his his uh, Twitter information and his social media in the show notes. Okay, so you can contact him if if or you can follow him. I should say if you you're not already, but. Um, Hope you enjoyed this conversation. It goes about an hour. It actually goes exactly an hour because the recording, uh, the recording um, software cut off at one hour. Um, he was mid sentence <laughs> in trying to finish his point. But um, I hope you enjoy it. Like I said, and uh, I'll be back with more Mister Benfica content coming to you in the coming days. All right, there's lots to talk about about Benfica, but let's take a break from all of the negativity. Take a break from the crises going on at the club. And let's uh, enjoy let's enjoy this conversation as Mario shares his experience um, attending Canada versus the United States in Hamilton uh, this past Sunday, and he'll be right up after this quick message. 
You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the BTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. All right, and we are here with my friend from up north, up from Canada. Mario is here at M.SLB. Uh, longtime listeners of the show remember his old uh, Canadian premiership uh, <laughs> reports that we used to get. And um, obviously, people who follow the Mr. Befica podcast know him. He's made plenty of appearances. Befica After 90s, his show. Mario, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Mike. I always love chatting with you, man. This was it's it's always, always fun. Always fun. Always get excited talking to you. There's always so much we can talk about, which I love. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny because we're obviously going to be talking about uh, Canada versus the United States, and maybe we'll dabble in some of the other CONCACAF matchups um, and where we go from here. But I don't know that there's too many other podcasters talking about this game right now, especially, you know, Portuguese League podcasters. And Yeah, I think on the Portuguese League side, I know there's a few guys – that are U.S. and Canadian fans, yeah. not actually covering it per se. I know there's mostly North American coverage, which is nice, right. but it's cool to kind of see the game growing insanely quickly within North America, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my it's it's times like this I realize just how many people on my Twitter feed are Canadian. <laughs> there was, And I'm happy about this part. Yeah. There was more talk about this on my Twitter feed than there was about the NFL playoffs. So it tells you who I follow also. Um, but it, it, I let's start with that. I found that fun, interesting that this game was placed right dead smack in the middle of the afternoon. I mean, I'm sure that was for weather reasons. Um, oh, thank God maybe, it was. Thank right, because it, it yeah. could have been really bad at night. But it's funny. It went literally almost at the same exact time as the, uh, you know, the AFC championship kicked off in the NFL. Um so it may hurt the TV numbers, but who's carrying this in Canada on television? Who's carrying these these World Cup qualifiers? Yeah, so the big one, which was uh, covering the Canadian Premier League, was One Soccer, and mm-hmm. they picked up the rights for these matches. And then they did a partnership with Sportsnet uh, okay. in, in Canada so uh, to kind of increase the coverage. Mm-hmm. And in return, they got a little bit more advertising because One Soccer is a relatively new network that started right. about three years ago when the Premier League for, for Canada launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they cover basically the domestic play. They got Ligue 1 and they got Liga MX up here north in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um and then they picked up the men's, which was very cool. So it's it's kind of hopefully increasing the viewership on the league itself when they, mm-hmm. they have these marquee matches. Yeah, it was good. I actually caught on YouTube, I caught their post-game show uh, last night. Yeah. And it's funny the way that this game's being received in the two locations so differently. Um, very frustrated with the U.S. media, with even U.S. fans. I don't normally talk U.S. soccer because the fans yeah. are – it's just like – it's like a mob mentality. And you can't say anything, you know, critical. You can't say anything constructive. Everything's got to either be all good or all bad, depending on the yeah. mood of the fan base. From north, I've noticed it's it's these pendulum swings. That I see. Yeah. It's, yeah. Either, it's a love-hate. There's no in-between. There's no like, eh, we're not doing great, but we still like them. It is. We either love them or we want their heads. And, you know, the, the U.S. media are talking about losing this match to Canada like they just lost in Guatemala. There's a big difference. Okay, and some of the media members will preface by saying Canada is playing the best football in CONCACAF right now, but, and then they go on to not respect the fact that Canada's playing the best football in CONCACAF right now, that, that, you know, Pulisic should have done this, McKinney should have done that. It First of all, Canada's been the most consistent team since the start, okay, and I've been watching you guys since the, the prelim rounds yeah. where, where you guys had to play your way into this. You didn't get you didn't get in the easy way. You had to play your way in. And you could see this team just growing, this Canadian team growing each match, getting better and better and better. And I know in the Gold Cup last year, I, I took some flack for this, but I said Canada was the best team at the Gold Cup as terms in terms of their play. I think they got housed against against Mexico in that semifinal. We all know yeah. CONCACAF wants the U.S.-Mexico final. They're, they're, nobody denies that. They, they, they show that all the time. And now CONCACAF can't fix it. Canada's just getting the results. Whether it's at home or away, they've beaten the United States and Mexico at home, and they've pulled yeah. draws on the road against both of them. I mean, I don't think there's an argument that could be made against Canada's dominance right now in the region. 
Yeah, if it was a, okay, to call a spade a spade, Canada for decades was a, a non-discussion point in North American soccer. When you talk about Honduras, Panama, and other countries a lot higher than your mm-hmm. Canada. So that's a fact, and I think some of the legacy people that have been watching CONCAP for a very long time, maybe they get a little disgruntled, oh, we lost Canada, not a good thing. But like you said, if you actually break down this current squad, this current management team, what they've built – um this team is rocking like they they have from a statistical standpoint the most goals they've mm-hmm. conceded the least amount of goals they've they haven't lost a single match uh undefeated uh and undefeated for a reason like if right. canada had been you know near the bottom of the table they've been struggling and they nick a result off the u.s then you can kind of say hey, man, we should be beating these guys for way further higher on the table than they are they got lucky no this is canada getting a win or especially not losing is pretty much the status quo that's been for a while. Mm. Mexico learned that the hard way, uh, same with the U S it looks like. Uh, but even with some of the coverage I find and I kind of, obviously with online, you toddle between yeah. Canada, I'm very excited, obviously feeding the U S cause the U S is a tough opponent. You don't get to beat them all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a rarity when that happens and it's nice to kind of have a competitive team. So there's that excitement, but then I kind of did see some of that coverage them visibly frustrated, but acting as if they got lucky. And I kind of look at it I'm like, well, if you actually look at the two teams, pretty much equal number of shots on target. Mm-hmm. The only difference was one could finish and put themselves in a more dangerous position when they had that yeah. opportunity. And the other, you know, for a Portuguese reference for the Portuguese listeners, mm-hmm. is, is almost like the U.S. is kind of playing like Bifica, where they yeah, – I that, that, was have, thought, that was the thought going through my head the whole night. I'm, I'm, I'm watching the, 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 the States, and I'm watching these guys. They got the ball, and they're just passing around the box back yeah. and forth, and they're not yeah. getting any penetration. They're not getting many opportunities. They, the, the reality was Canada had clear opportunities on target. The States did, even though the States had more possession. Yeah, But well, possession is totally pointless if you're doing nothing with it, which is exactly. kind of what was happening a bit of, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it's funny you made that that parallel that I also yeah. saw to our, to our club team, Benfica, yeah. because it, it was it was literally like watching them play it on an international level. And and it was the same inability to play against a three man back line that Benfica show. It's it's yeah. sending in hopeless crosses to a three man yeah, cr- back line. That's the, the, always the, got the numbers. Yeah, the crosses were in many cases very, very weak. There's a lot of crosses that I found from the states that that came far too close. If you're going to cross the ball and you want to obviously get it to one of your own mm. players. But secondly, not cross it so close to the net where the keepers are grabbing the ball every single cross. Like I, It felt like almost half the crosses went straight to the keeper. There's no mm-hmm. chance in the world there'd be a receiving player on that end. So that, that was one thing I noticed. We were sitting on the one far end. So I got to kind of, you know, the first half was the um, first half was Canada and mm-hmm. then the second half was the States on the, on the net. But yes, still quite fun. So you were in the stadium. That that's yeah. that's the fun part. Um, you were there. Yeah, that was wild. That was historic. Great. Let me start with this. What did you? I know it's in your your area, so you were happy to get this game. But being objective, removing that from the equation, what are your thoughts on selecting Hamilton as the host city? Uh, on the host city, I kind of didn't like how they went about it. But long story short, the original host venue was supposed to be BC Place out in Vancouver. Right. Um. The, the coach himself, he is a, a local from Southern Ontario, this part here between you mm-hmm. know the Hamilton, Toronto area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Herdman himself had, prior to them switching the venue, had been rumors that he didn't like the idea that he'd have to travel. You know, this is home base. <laughs> That's where he does his logistics. He's going to get out of the team, do a little training here, go mm-hmm. down south, play a game, come back up here, and then go down south, play a game. He didn't like the idea of crisscrossing the nation. And he made it seem like it was going to somehow hurt the team if they were crisscrossing the country. And the country's a big-ass country, right? Right. Um, but when I kind of thought about it, I was like, well, my God, these guys got to go down south. They got to come back to Canada, and they got to go down go south. Back. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's going to add a few extra hours, but it isn't going to be that in the world. But he was adamant on it. I was kind of surprised because BC plays the covered uh, mm-hmm. venue. Uh, right. Ham- Hamilton's a nice – you know, they're the home of the Forge. They're, they're mm-hmm. But they're not – uh, the nicest soccer pitch. They are mm-hmm. a turf pitch. They are a grass pitch, like you'd find at BMO Field, let's say. Right. Um, and so that was kind of a surprise that they kind of went to that location. It was very cool that they did, because uh, ended up being a little bit of a hometown story for mm-hmm. the goalkeeper, because he he was a Hamilton native and he had one heck of a game, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so that worked out quite nice in that setup. Yeah, and I I heard uh, maybe a week ago, um, CBS 
uh, has a podcast down here with called Kegel Lasso. It's with Jimmy Conrad, former U.S. Nat. He had Dwayne Du Rosario on. Oh yeah, a legend from Canada, and he. Dwayne was very, very critical of this location. He thought BC Place also should have been the home yeah. because he and, and U.S. Journal saying the same thing. They want to see these games on. They want to see the play. They want to. And for me, I think it's brilliant for Canada to use its weather to its advantage. Yeah. And on the flip side, I think U.S. Soccer actually gave their team every opportunity. They gave them the best possible yeah, setup to succeed. Even, we played in Columbus. Columbus. Played in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, no, tr almost no travel from Columbus to Hamilton, and then going yeah. to Minnesota on Wednesday. So there was criticism of playing in cold climates. But if I'm the manager, if I'm Greg Berhalter, I'd rather my team stay in the cold and play through all three games in the same climate, rather than knowing Canada had to go to the tropics and come back, yeah, and spend a lot of time in the air, a lot of time traveling. Uh, I thought U.S. Soccer handled this perfectly, as opposed to. A lot of people wanted to play these home matches in the south where it's warm, yeah. which also would make it very easy for Honduras and El Salvador's fans to get there as well. I think the cold is also a deterrent in in, in visiting fans filling your stadium. And I really think it does really impact the Central American teams, man. Yeah. When they, when they come why, here, it's like you, you take advantage of that cold climate absolutely. and are not used to it, especially the ones that are more local regional players yeah. that are used to like this kind of weather. Absolutely, because you, you're going to play them in their climate. Yeah. In Central America, where it's hot and humid and probably raining. It's Why like when you, go, you, you go up north to the Azteca, like not up north, right. but up on the mountain. There's, they right, exactly. The, the, You're playing the, at the altitude. Impact, the altitude, the impact of the air, this and that. Well, now you come up north and you deal with the impact of like frostbite. And it's just yeah. something different. But you know, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching Mexico struggle in Edmonton against you guys. That was, that was a wild match. That it was match just was fun to see them so uncomfortable and so and to see their media just cry. And cry about the location, and, and then the they match canceled. They just kind of tried like yeah. complain to FIFA that you know it's too cold, you can't play the game. And then they yeah. give like the backward comment, the backward compliments where they're the backhanded compliments, excuse me, where they're like, "Well, Canada plays so well, they don't need this advantage." It's like, listen, you put teams at Azteca when it's ninety nine degrees out, <laughs> and sometimes Mexico used to make you play them at noon on top yeah. of it. So so the, the last heat, team that yeah. has a right to complain. <laughs> exactly, and it's it's been it's been a, a really well organized side. I just just to go a little bit back to the venue, there there was a little bit of confusion, unfortunately, because then they announced this venue, they announced early December. I get a group of us to get tickets, and all the fun stuff. We're all excited, so we buy tickets, and then we go into another lockdown here in Ontario, yeah. which was a, a huge bummer. But mm -hmm. um, it was pretty much tail end of December when they did it. And uh, what they ended up doing basically was saying, okay, we're going to reopen on January 26th. Sold out venue. Mm -hmm. Myself, uh, you know, th there's some pre-sale codes that you could get. So I was mm -hmm. able to get a friend of mine who got me one of those. And the tickets all sold out within a couple hours of pre-sale. Sure. The hype sure. for the, for Team Canada up north is huge. Level of excitement's there. You know, you buy tickets for 40 bucks. They're going for over $200 on Subhub. Mm -hmm. Clearly, demand is there. That's awesome. And then next thing you know, the 26, right before the 26 rolls around, they say, okay, yeah, we're going to open up. Uh, everything's opening up as of the 31st. Mm -hmm. It's on the 30th. And all of a sudden, <laughs> team can't, this is not this weekend, obviously, when the game was. The previous mm -hmm. weekend. This is literally right. a week before the match. They say mm -hmm. this. They go to the government go, are you serious? He said the 26. We got a sold-out venue. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to just defer a few days. It's like, can you not just, like, push it one day difference? And they, yeah. they didn't well, What is that going to do? <laughs> Yeah, 24 hours of haggling and then yeah. go. Uh, so the decision was the week of the game to basically say, okay, we're going to refund everyone's ticket. Everyone that bought a ticket, you're going to get a special code, and now it's less capacity, <laughs> and you try to buy it, right? So oh. thank God I got it because I had a buddy from Quebec coming down. Yeah. He was going to yeah. stay at my place. He had bought the, the rail tickets, all the fun stuff to get out to these parts, and uh, you know we're all in a bit of a panic because you, know, you want to get the group together. and worked out got the tickets but a lot of guys weren't able to but it still looked like a very full crowd and i think the way the rule worked which is i think they got cute with the rules they said 50 percent capacity capacity is based on square footage per person and that mm -hmm. venue is kind of like two big stands got, they yeah have this, they, they have this massive beer garden standing area so i think they counted that square footage <laughs> okay as part of the square footage which is why it still looked pretty decently yeah. full. like there oh was no some, it looked full uh, on television yeah sure. it was like a little bit of spacing but not much and uh yeah. so it worked out quite well and you guys got a really nice home atmosphere now i remember watching 
even back when we played in the in the Nations League, when, yep. when you guys won at BMO Field, it was not like it was yesterday. It was a much more laid back, of smaller Canada crowd. Um, you just said the country seems to be taking this team, um, taking to this team. Are you getting the mainstream respect you deserve in Canada, or is this still an underground like soccer Euro? descendant kind it, of thing it, it was always this underground kind of feeling but mm -hmm. it feels like it's finally breaking out mm -hmm. to the point where it's like the mainstream media cannot they can't sit there and not can't ignore it. it it's just too much demand and, and you're seeing the demand and it's to the disgruntlement of like the old hockey guard because they don't like other things encroaching on their space they don't like mm -hmm. the basketball they don't like the nfl they don't like <laughs> anything encroaching in the area so yeah the fact all of a sudden you got this thing you know surpassing hockey match things of sort in terms of mm -hmm. like attention clicks views yeah um you're getting a lot of attention and, and initially i was like oh that's kind of cute they're competing for the world cup maybe they have a chance to make it to the world cup and you know they're giving it a decent go and next thing you know when they kind of beat mexico that just exploded yeah. even further right but uh, it's just insane and part of it's it's the talent and everything going on and i think even the story of this match where you had davies which very unfortunately you know given the situation that happened we don't know when he's going to play again right if you'll be back whatever the story will be He's a star player, and all of a sudden, you still pull one out of the hat like that without him, which is awesome. And you're missing another unnamed player who I'm not going to name because of the club he signed for <laughs> last week. I was heartbroken when he went to Portland. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. He, he, actually, uh, he actually came to Hamilton, I think it was the night before, mm -hmm. uh, and there was talks of him possibly playing. But I think that he just arrived so late. I don't think he had a problem uh -huh. with the team yet. So uh, I expect to see him um, later this week when they play El Salvador. So th this Canadian team's good, and, and that, that's why I'm having you on to talk about it, because I don't think they get the respect they deserve. And we just talked about two guys. We talked about Alfonso Davis. And can you clarify for me, is it Steven or Stefan Ostakio? Oh, uh, I always say Steven Ostakio. Uh, <laughs> I say Steven as well. I hear yeah. the commentators say <laughs> Stefan. But... Yeah, I guess because they, they go, oh, Canada, they have French people. Stop well, in the, the PH, I guess, throws <laughs> some people off. But okay, so we'll yeah. say Steven for the sake yeah. of this show. Um including them too, but also, you know, you've got names like Kyle Aaron, you've got Jonathan David, you've got Steven Vitoria, you've got, uh, you know, uh, Kajan Buchanan who played down yeah. here this year for the revolution. Now on his, now in Belgium again, um, you just, Richie Larea is another player. I'm real. Yeah. I really like and Alistair Johnson on his way to play in the SPL, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, your goalkeeper is clearly the heart and soul of the team spiritually. He is the he is oh, in the terms leader. of passion, is you know, like insane. and he I made that huge save on Weston McKinney that I think changed yeah. the whole trajectory of the rest of the match. Because I think if it goes one one, it, it gets very tense, and both teams become happy in a way to take you know share of the spoils. I, yeah, I think Canada would have been happy with a draw. Like, yeah, I'm just to be honest. Like the U.S. is a tough team; mm -hmm. they're a tough one to face. But yeah, no, I really think they would have. Uh, uh, but the fact that the way they, they broke out, um, I also think sometimes people don't, don't recognize some of the, the talent um, mm -hmm. that Canada has. And they kind of will look at, um, obviously, Davies is kind of, oh, he's a good player mm -hmm. and, and things of the sort. Uh, but also they kind of uh, forget about the fact that there's also um, Jonathan David and how good he mm -hmm. is. Like, I, yeah. I, I think I think League O doesn't get much love because, again, you know, outside of the EPL, yeah. La Liga, you don't get much coverage. But he, he is killing it. Like, you kind of talk about what he did for Lil and, and how crazy he, he, he was doing. Now you look at kind of what he's doing now still within, within that league. It's amazing. Yeah, and he's still the league. He's the top scorer again in, in League One this year. And yeah. um, what what is there something missing for him in this Canada team? Because his numbers don't quite match up the way they do at Lille. Is, is there something different? Is, is, is he doing most of his work off the ball is that why he's not the one getting the finish you know the same amount of finishes as he gets in the french league or uh, do you see any reason why maybe he's not scoring as much for canada as he does for Lille? i, I still think he's doing quite well personally mm -hmm. personally uh, relative to what canada is like in terms mm -hmm. of support he has a style of play where i think that that'd be the biggest difference is just the overall style it okay is a, it's yeah. a bit different um but i i, I find he's still providing 
uh, quite a bit of support he, yeah. on, the, on the assist side and kind of what he's doing on that side. I think he's doing doing really great. Yeah, he, he did a boatload of work without the ball yesterday that, that a lot of people don't pay attention to. But he opened a lot of lanes and he, he, he commands the respect of the defenders opening space for teammates to come in. And, and you yeah, guys got so much pace going forward that it's like if he, that space opens up, Canada becomes scary good yeah, going forward I, like, in transition. I, like our, our fullback at Kubi was like, poof, like it's mm -hmm, just, exactly. it's a rocket. It's just, he, he goes and, and I, and I think that's part of, you know, they kind of down made downplay the style Canada was playing, but it, it was pretty much very controlled, very organized. Yeah. And the biggest thing I find about this team, well, it's really that word team is like, they really play as a collective unit. Like yeah, I find there isn't, um, and I think that's the challenge the U S has right now. It's a lot of yeah. quality individuals, but a lot of individuals. It's playing not, together. it's not meshed yet into a team. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the, this this thing they have going right now with Team Canada is they they're playing as a great unit, great communication on the sidelines. They're the one biggest thing that because I've gone to most of the the home games for the qualifiers outside the Edmonton one because it's way far from my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything like within the Ontario sphere, which we've had a lot of Toronto and things. This yeah, um, it is the bench. You look at the and there's some stuff you guys don't see on the air. You might see it on highlights, but the amount of excitement on the bench, the way that these guys are hooting and hollering, even Davies on Twitch right now. He can't that was play. funny. I saw that. Yeah, he, he's been streaming on Twitch, but these guys are talking with each other. We hear all these stories of how well in communication they are. There's a certain level of this has never happened in Canada before. You never had a team look this good. Canada has only once made it to a World Cup. But never have they been undefeated, top of the mm -hmm. table, kings of the north in a sense, like owning right. Hawkeye. Like they are, there is no ands, ifs, or buts in terms of no. where they are versus the, the other teams. And they're all feel, feeling it. They're all hyped. Everyone's kind of, you can see these guys posting on social media, okay, can't wait for the next match, getting very, very excited. Because they're, they're kind of doing the unprecedented item. And, and one thing... You know, Canada, it's, I look at the Raptors, and it's kind of a completely different sport, but it's when they went on that playoff run mm -hmm. and how the country got behind them. It's almost like that same feeling where you see this yeah. item that not many people were paying attention to all of a sudden coming together, this collective and the excitement and the bubbling happening across the country, and everyone going, holy cow, this is this is actually real. It just keeps building. Each match yeah. they play, it gets bigger and bigger, the hype. Um, so it's insanely exciting and very exciting. What did you think of Jonathan Osorio yesterday dropping into Ostakio's position, basically, and playing much further back than I think we usually see him play? I thought he was really good <laughs> filling in in that role. I, yeah, I was actually really surprised. I, I, thought, yeah. Yeah, I was actually surprised how well they did. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that they did extremely well was just frustrating the, the Americans in mm -hmm. the sense of how they were stifling possession, stifling the plays um there were fouls but there wasn't much like yeah there's always a bit of bickering back and forth yeah. and that, that happens right but yeah. there wasn't anything too crazy and it's and it's a very fine line with concaf you also you, you one wrong step and also near the books very quickly uh yeah. depending on the ref <laughs> um i was really curious about this one because it was a my, my understanding was mexican refs also yeah it was like, a mexican I, ref i uh, thought that was uh, an interesting choice <laughs> and i was like well i'm like who do they want like uh, do the mexicans want us to lose because yeah. maybe they think we'll drop a few more points and it kind of gives us security they want the americans to lose which yeah but i actually <laughs> thought the referee did, did a for a concaf match you know they, they have a very low bar and i think he yeah <laughs> he exceeded that bar i would say yeah. too yeah um so you look at the game, and again, I had said before, I tweeted out that I thought whoever won the match yesterday would pretty much sew up their, their spot in Qatar. Um, of course, Panama decided to go on a comeback yesterday, beat Jamaica. Otherwise, I think that pretty much would have been wrapped up mathematically. Looking at the other results, Panama wins 3-2 at home to Jamaica. Mexico, I watched this game with them in Costa Rica. Yeah, it, I was surprised. They did not look good. I mean, talk about a team that looks like Benfica. Mexico is even one gear slower than the United States. and yeah. Literally just possessing and going nowhere, possessing, going nowhere. Costa Rica's average age is like 38 yeah. and they're just they're hanging they, they, on for dear they, life they, they're holding on to that old world cup they really are they did a few years back <laughs> and they nearly won it i mean they had a chance to win it and and celso borges's header was just right at ochoa or else costa rica could have gone up with not much time left um i'm not at all impressed with mexico in this in this uh in this cycle and i think that they're very overrated I think as much as the U.S. media underrates Canada, they overrate Mexico. So now they're talking about going to the Azteca in the next window. 
And for me, this this match yesterday was much tougher than it's going to be in the Azteca next in the next window because I don't even think Mexico they're still playing without fans down there. It, it's 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 you almost can't see any fans. It's very small sections, and their fans are not really behind them either. It, it, it it's a, the Azteca is silent when they're playing because they're playing so poorly, and. What's funny I find about U.S. fans, U.S. media is they're going to be angry about this result today. In two months, if we turn around, go to Azteca and get a result, oh, it's going to be, gonna the be moon. that's it, to, over to, the moon. To, to get a result over the moon. is tough, right? So every, when you get one, it's... So everything goes out the window when you beat Mexico, no matter how you do it. And when I look at kind of the standings right now, it's it's Canada, USA, Mexico is the top three yeah. seeded positions to go in. And then you have the fourth place, which is playoff, which Panama is now really mm-hmm. hugging. If... You know, Mike. If I, if I look at the top three, I'm not not worried about the U.S. I think the U.S. will be fine. It's it's mm-hmm. tight. I, I Mex- agree. Mexico is the one that uh, even outside the Costa Rica game, you go back to the Jamaica game. They were facing tan man Jamaica. Jamaica got a mm-hmm. red card, and they almost lost. Like they, yeah. they, they almost dropped points again. Yeah. Um. They have not looked well for a while. Their their manager has been under the gun for oh, yeah. quite a bit. Um. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's a good time. These Mexican players, and it's kind of. Uh, the tale of two different teams team canada very much at peace very happy mm-hmm. where they are they're, they're right. very happy achieving what they're achieving there's a cohesive unity if we were to have lost that match there would have been a nice huddle everyone would have cheered this team on and it's a lot of collective we got you right. back let's do this right so and, and from the fan base from the media loads of love right now it's like you can't get more love than they're getting now, mm-hmm. right whereas mexico at this point it is you guys are failures, you know, one more screw up and you're done. And it's been like that for a while now for like the last, since the last cycle of like matches mm-hmm. prior to even facing Canada and then losing to Canada and Edmonton and then everything else they're doing, even though they beat Jamaica, they're still like, this is an embarrassment. This, you know, we're facing one of the weaker teams in CONCACAF and barely pulling off you know the win against 10 men. Um, there is just this negativity in this. And I, I find if you go down a goal, like the U S goes to Aztec and, and scores a goal mm. or they apply some pressure or it's a tight, a 10 strong, they're going to feel the, the pressure. And, and the biggest thing that I'm like ridiculously excited for, I, obviously El Salvador is going to be a fun game for Canada. Cause I want to see this unbeaten streak. Mm-hmm. But the other part is this, this whole situation with, um, I think it's Mexico versus, um, Panama next, right? Is yes, Mexico and Panama, and then on Wednesday. That, that's critical. Like in yeah. Panama, like I don't expect them to to get the victory, but if they do, they're laughing because all of a sudden Mexico's in fourth place, Panama all of a sudden jumps in second place, and, and the U.S. Canada. goes to Mexico on the first match yeah. of the next window. So that, that blows up the entire. <laughs> I think from the the second, third, fourth, yeah, if Panama gets a result, it blows up that entire. Oh yeah, fourth spot. If Mexico get the result, it creates a buffer. It's only a few games left. Um, yeah, if the Mexicans can win it, we win our game against El Salvador. That's it. We seal it. We're going to the World Cup, which is insane. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm just the idea of even being there is is, is mind blowing. <laughs> it's just ecstatic to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, normally a team doesn't do it, and there's never been this excitement before. Uh, whereas in Mexico, it's the expectation is to come first in Concacaf, go to the World Cup, and put mm-hmm. a good showing in the World Cup. Right. If they struggle, even if they advance the World Cup, the way they're struggling to get there, like if Canada was struggling but got to the World Cup, we'd be ecstatic. Right. And it's a different mentality, it's different expectations, a p- part of it, legacy and history, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and and you made a good point. Canada is easily the most team out of all of the teams. They they really do re- have a team chemistry, whereas the United States and Mexico relying on individuals, yeah, and, and set pieces. That's really where. You know, especially the United States relies heavily on set pieces. Mexico, terrible at defending set pieces, thus the United States' recent success against them. But you can see, had had Canada gone down a goal in the seventh minute the way the United States did, I don't think it would have affected Canada all that much. I think they would have quickly regrouped and, and just continued to play yeah. their game. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that goes to the manager. You know, yeah. uh, John Herdman, he... he he was very successful as your women's coach as well and laid the foundation for the women's team to go and win the Olympics last year. I know he wasn't the manager anymore, but he laid that foundation and deserves credit for that. And then makes the risky move over to the men's team, but has a vision, has an idea. Okay. He creates an identity and the Canadian team is the only team I see in this CONCACAF region with a true identity. And basically they, when I see them take on the United States, I see Canada 
as a much more mature team, a much more, they know who they are. They're very, like I said, a well-defined identity. The United States is still looking for those, those things, but they also just, I don't know how to say it, but they just play their game. They don't get caught up into, and I think what the United States has been kind of guilty, they've they played something like 28 different players in this World Cup qualifying. Uh, Greg Berhalter continues to rotate the squad. He's trying to put 11 against, every, he's trying to match up the best 11 for each match. And I think what he's lost is a lot of that chemistry by making all yeah. those changes. You look at Canada and they've got such a strong identity, such a strong cohesion that losing an Alfonso Davies doesn't even panic them. Yeah. Whereas I, I believe if the United States lose Weston McKinney, who for me is the most important player on the U.S., they lose that guy that gets the ball from point A to point B when the other team has closed you down. They lose the guy who is the brains on the pitch. Um, and they lose their aerial threat. So they lose a lot. And I, I could see the United States, when when a player's not there, the excuses start to, to mount already. And you see it too when he when he rotates over rotates the squad a little bit i get what greg berhalter is doing but he really made a kind of a fool of himself in the post-game press conference when he said that the, he he thought his that the united states dominated the match but the problem is he's he comes across like one of these guys looking at all of the analytics and that's the only way he got that that uh, impression. Well, it's, it's, it's because like the of, old uh, yeah. Barcelona joke. Ex like, exactly. We had and, possession. We had possession. I don't know why we didn't win. We had the possession. Exactly. And, and fans have been asking for an American style, so to speak. So he's trying to give them that. Problem is, you have growing pains when you do that. And in a match like this, I mean, you can't hit a goal kick that doesn't meet midfield the way that Matt Turner did. Yeah. And then the United States is all playing in the uh, in the offensive half of the pitch. I was, the was ball doesn't the, even make it there, and the, all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. What the, the the whole thing that blew me away throughout the entire match was the high line that the U.S. is playing. Yeah, and not even that. It's when we get the ball, they're not filling the spaces. Like what I kept watching, I like I and I was loving it as a fan. All of a sudden, it's you know the U.S. on you. They're around our box. They're passing around the box, passing around the box, and that's all it would be. They just kind of pass back and forth, and then finally we get the ball. And we'd kind of get some control of it in our space for a moment. And you look ahead and you had these gaps where you have like two Americans and like two Canadians mm. running. But you'd see the, the the mid, the defensive mids, still way too deep in the offensive zone. Yeah, They're basically waiting, oh, we're going to get possession again and proceed again with this attack. And they allowed Canada, like, honestly, the amount of opportunities Canada got to break away Yes, we got two goals, and, and people go, oh, okay, you know, we weren't controlling possession, but it could have been far more goals. There's one time oh, yeah. where we, had, we had a cross, which was, oh, my God, I was so shocked we couldn't get contact on it. But it was just these uh, potential breakaways, and several times where the ball went, and it was off by like, a couple of feet, and we, you know, we didn't get the ball. It is what it is. But if we got the ball, you're now dealing with a one-on-one -on -one situation. The mm -hmm. amount of potential one-on-one -on -one situation we had. And I kept thinking, man, if, if the states play like this on a regular basis, they're giving the opposition too many one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Yeah. You're, you're asking for trouble. And it's it's him wanting, I think, to press high too much. Yeah. And there's this new thing we hear about at Manchester United all the time that you have to sign players that can press high for 90 minutes. I'm sorry, nobody presses high for 90 minutes. <laughs> nobody has that lung capacity to to just continue yeah. to press high, much less in you know in the temperatures that yesterday was played in. But and that's what I found. As I was also as I was talking to my buddies is. Mm -hmm. I was curious to see that second half because I, I thought it was these guys are gonna they're gonna gas out. Yeah, it's, it's frigid temperatures when they when there's they less shot. oxygen in the yeah. air. It's, it's a, a shoulder it's, shoulder hit when you hit the ground. Oh yeah, it hurts. The ground is harder than normal when it's frozen like that. It's just your muscles ache a little bit more, mm -hmm. and it's just and as it kind of pers persists, it's just it's insane. I was actually quite surprised how willing he was he was allowing that. And for us, it's like it was a little bit more patient and kind of time mm -hmm. your 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 runs right. Yeah, exactly. And I think you guys had the game well planned out, well studied. The The game plan was well was well planned, and, and every player knew his job on the Canadian team. And I think the United States, on the other hand, looked like they really looked like they just showed up in the way a, you know, you or I would just show up and play with our friends one day and just take the pitch and start to kick the ball around, you know. And I, I really think the preparation went went to Canada. I think John Herdman much more prepared for this match 
I think they have a much clearer vision as to what they want to do when they get the ball. And again, so well organized. And then in transition, just scary. Like, yeah, if I, 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 counterattack is scary. It's like the counterattack and it's the communication. And I thought that was one of the weakest the weaknesses the U.S. had on their part was mm-hmm. just the communicate. They had, again, for the positioning and possession they did have, you know, to, to the state's credit, they had a lot of possession, a lot of control. Where they kind of fell apart is in that final bit to kind of form an attack. Yeah. The amount of times that just not have the linkage mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of goes, it's the communication, especially when you see with the crosses. I found, I found it, especially the cross into the ball. Um, it's as if, you know, okay, here's a cross. It'd be a good cross. If you were, had something as a thought of where the other mm-hmm. guy's going to run, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, what did you think of, cause there's been some talk about this. what did you think about the, the dimensions of the pitch? Uh, some of the American, Reporters are complaining it was so it was the minimum in terms of width. I mean, again, I'm a big fan of home teams doing whatever they have to do to get the results, mm-hmm. whether it's to play on on our official surface. Which, uh, let's be fair, it's winter. <laughs> yeah, know. it's gonna be rock hard wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was another one of Dwayne De Rosario's uh, critiques. He thought if they had to be outside in the cold, it should have been at BMO, but. You guys always play at BMO. Would would you rather see the team kind of play in more different regions or? or... Oh, I was this game in Hamilton. I was ecstatic just because yeah. I'm a season ticket holder of the Forge, so right. a bit biased. It's the club that plays there mm-hmm. in the regular season. Um, they, it's I, I love the idea of them rotating a bit more. I think they, mm-hmm. they should host the game. I, I know it won't happen, but they should host the game in Ottawa. They mm-hmm. got the TD place up there where the yeah. uh, the Atletico uh, Atletico Ottawa play there. Yep, beautiful venue. Um, it, it's a new venue also, like newer venue. My understanding from someone that was talking, they haven't officially announced it, but I believe the final match in Canada because we have four matches, but the, there are only one left at home. Right, is going to go to BMO. Okay, um, but I, I got to say Hamilton was an amazing venue. It was an amazing atmosphere. It's it's a big stadium. It's a nice stadium. Uh, pitch wise, again, because I go there all the time, it feels normal to me. Sure. Uh, when I go to Europe and I go watch games there, it, the pitch does feel smaller though. It, it is, it is a little bit more narrow. It is built more for the, the, the CFL, the, the sure. football kind mm-hmm. of style. Um, but it's still at the end of the day to me, it's, if it's narrow in a sense, I still think of a team that's talented. Oh, you just got to play differently. You can, you, can, you can play differently. And even for if a team is relying on open space and breakaways, mm-hmm. a more wide – like, again, to counter the narrative saying how it played to our advantage, I'm like, well, if our, our style was to hold back, be strategic, and with the U.S. having this high press, we had a ton of one-on-one breakaways, right. a wider pitch with more space it plays into is your better game. for yeah. that, that, that sure. kind of atmosphere, right? So I just kind of look at it and go, it isn't like it was a disadvantage to the U.S. advantage to Canada – I don't think it was an advantage to either team, to be honest. I just think it was a pitch, and these guys are professionals, and they play on these mm-hmm. types of pitches all the time. Yeah. Did any of the players up close and personal, did they look like the cold was affecting any of them? Uh, the only one that made me laugh was uh, halfway through the second half for our keeper. Um, I can't remember. There's one of the Americans went down, probably like 75, 75th minute or whatever mm-hmm. that was. But he went down. I can't remember what the heck it was. It wasn't like um, – I don't know if he pulled something. And it was just this slightly longer pause of play. And as if Canada knew this was going to happen for some reason, mm-hmm. they all of a sudden signal him over. He runs to the sideline and they <laughs> had this massive blanket that they must have been heating up <laughs> and fully wrapped his body. And, we're, and they had like two guys just patting him down with this heated blanket. And we we're kind of howling. So I'm like, fuck, he's cold, man. He's got to be freezing out there. Because, again, for the – I'd say the worst oh, the position. Key, keepers, the it's the worst, yeah. Oh, man. It's, uh, how they how they do it, it's it's beyond me, right? And he's got sweatpants. The U.S. one that has sweatpants yeah. on, at least. But I just – it's nuts. So that's the one I kind of saw. You could tell he was he was, he was crazy. <laughs> and, and for that's us, good. like, first half wasn't bad. Uh, us in the stands, me and my buddies, we were good in the first half. Mm-hmm. Like, that's oh, not too bad, not too bad. I tell you, 10 minutes in that second half, we were dying. It, we the were sun like, below the, the tree oh, line, right? <laughs> yeah, it got, it got cloudier, darker, sunsets a lot earlier this time of year. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, you could just feel that drop in temperature. And oh my god, my feet! My we we were like multiple layers. <laughs> I wore a whole face mask, kind of get up, thinking my face warm. I had multiple gloves, and I was 
my fingers, my toes were freezing with the amount of layers <laughs> I had on. It was, and I work out talking about these guys wearing shorts, short sleeves. Like it shocks me how many of them did that last night. Oh, I just lost you. I just lost you for two seconds. So it just cut out. It says you're muted on my thing. There How about now? Back. Now you're back. Look at it that. told me my mic unplugged and it didn't. <laughs> okay. Mm. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, no, yeah. it was uh, it was fun. It was um, cold wise. It was just a pretty a pretty wild kind of uh, event. It's uh, I gotta say one of the coldest games I've been to. <laughs> From a, a minus standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I think that adds to to the legend of the match now because you're going to remember forever playing outside in January in Ontario. Yeah. And if this match is played at BC Place, I don't think it leaves. Even with the victory, you don't remember that aspect. Though. It doesn't have all hey. of the folklore around it that it, you know, you'll look back on this 10, 20 years from now with nostalgia because. Just like you will the snow game against Mexico, you know. That snow game was hilarious. They had a snowstorm yeah. the day of the match. They had <laughs> yeah. to plow the match. They were plowing the, mat, the, the pitch right before the kickoff. Yeah. And the goal and then jumping into the snowbank. That, that to me, will be the most iconic Canadian-style yeah. victory ever. Like, if you're going to beat Mexico, you're going to do it in Canada – you do the celebration of the snowbank. That yeah. is just, you just never, I've never seen it. I've actually never seen it. I've seen like things in Europe, when Eastern Europe, where they play in Europa and guys run to the end, end part and they start doing a snow angel or throwing a snowball because it's right. a little bit of dusting. But this was like a full size snow mound on the side of the pitch that they're jumping into. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God. Like if this, if this game was like a few weeks back because we got this massive storm, that would have been a whole different story uh, <laughs> in terms of snow coverage, but it worked out well. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it's unique. We're not going to play too many internationals in January. This was the unique circumstances where yeah. these matches had to be fit in. And it's it's just cool to see it played in a different atmosphere. I, you know, again, playing these matches indoors, because we do have the buildings to do it, would lose that atmosphere for me, I think. I think part of, part of it's the elements. It's it's one yeah, of these sports. It's where part you, of the game. It's it's kind of like the NFL. I know there's indoor stadiums yeah. in the NFL, but part of it also it's the you're you're fighting against the elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're playing in the rain, the cold, the blistering heat, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, and I know an indoor venues. I said from a fan standpoint, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit more mm-hmm. AC or a little sure. bit less, a little warmer depending on the season, but. Yeah, it, really. it just it's it's like a throwback, I think, to to tougher day. You know, when when we were a bit tougher people and yeah. <laughs> didn't want every. It's it just seems like there's an entitlement now, not just among fans but teams. Everyone thinks they're entitled to certain things, and part of the reason the United States missed the World Cup four years ago is it was that entitlement. And I'll never forget the the pictures of assistant coaches carrying the players through puddles on the training pitch. I knew they were done at that point. Oh, because their ankles had been taped. It's like, you know, you turn the clock back to the 80s and the English Premier League or the Division One at the time yeah. played in mud pits every week and nobody complained about it. No, it's, it's grateful to be there. And, and, and right. I do I do think right now that's the – going back to kind of how the, this, this situation is happening at CONCAP with let's say the top teams is all these Canadian guys are grateful for the situation they're in mm-hmm. and they're enjoying every moment of it and they're all throwing everything they got into it. I do feel like on the U.S. and Mexican side, um, when I watch both those teams, there's a, a little bit of a we're guaranteed a World Cup positioning. Yeah. We're going through the motions. Do I really want to be here? I got to make sure I don't screw up my my club uh, club yeah. gig right now. I got in, in England or wherever they're, they're playing these guys, and, and it kind of feels a little disjointed. And, and I think now there's like a little bit of panic, and makes it exciting from a my standpoint at least to be in this I know we never get to be in this position so I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this position going like there's just madness going on below us and like fuck thank god we're not there <laughs> yeah and you, you got the headway now you got the cushion because you've taken care of the results you've yeah. won at home and you've gotten results on the road four point lead right now at the top I got the standings here you guys are on 22 points four ahead of the United States and Mexico and five ahead of Panama Costa Rica's nine behind unlikely Costa Rica is going to get in the into is going to catch you so you guys are guaranteed at this point a top four in my math is right and five points with four matches that's that's a pretty solid um you got a good a, buffer especially since panama the, the panama's got to face the states and they got to face right. mexico right so right exactly i, I think they're gonna, they're gonna scalp points 
yeah. in theory, it should be Mexico and the U.S. winning these matches, you know, on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, in a sense, if the U.S. and Mexico do their job, it should wind that gap to fourth place and we're sure. you know, safe. Um, and if for some reason Panama pulls off a miracle and gets two wins, well, then it's taking points off Mexico and the U.S. So it's yeah. it, it, it gives us like an extra wiggle room in addition to that, right? The fact yeah. That, and, you, and you guys still face Mexico, right? So it's it's that. yeah. We got we got uh, Honduras next, who haven't won yet. Yeah. And they were taking them to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, that's and wild. then that's wild. <laughs> it's gonna be cool. And then Mexico, Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica in the last. We play all the teams in contention now. Going after this next game, so I really, you know, the the thing is, you got to come in the top three. People forget that this isn't yeah. a championship to come in first place. It's to be in the top no, three. Top three, and then you're good. That's all. You and you're do. in. It may, once you get to Qatar, it makes no difference what place you came in, and. I, you know, I think Canada is set at this point. I really don't see them falling to fifth, even re- really don't see them falling to fourth. Because like you said, Panama's got to play Mexico and the United States. They're going to drop points. Um, I don't understand some of the panic coming out of the U.S. camp now or the U.S. fan base and their, the media base, because they're they're having I think they're having, you know, a post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome from four years ago because they feel like it's slipping away. But yeah, because because they, they they pretty much still had it, and then it kind of fell apart near the end, right? And yeah. I, and I think the one stressful part, um, when you kind of look at the, and this was just, I'll, I'll go back to when I was watching Team Canada, and I, and I went to to Beemo Field watching a match, and I was kind of okay. What game was it again? It was Panama. It was mm-hmm. a fun game. Uh, it was it was just a wild game. But then I looked at docket, and here we go. We got Mexico. Uh, we got to go away to Honduras, which is notoriously tough for us. Mm-hmm. And we got the states; the states are tough. And then Panama's at the end in Panama, and we start. We're at the time we're looking at the table, and we're like, man, okay, you can't. We're not going to plan for any points from Mexico or the U.S. You got to kind of just write those off. Mm-hmm. And even we get a rest, depending on what Panama does, we're going to be in a battle for fourth. And we got the results, and now it's it's a completely different story. But sure, um, yeah. And it did start tougher. Like I was at the the first home game against Honduras. We we drew. We played amazing. It was a heartbreak for us to draw. Actually, it was insane how well we played against Honduras. Right. Um, but I'll say, like, we, we need those points in the anticipation that you're going to drop against Mexico in the U.S. Yeah. And I, I guess we can look ahead a little bit now. So, who do you want to see at the World Cup? Who? Who? What? Oh what's God. the big? What big? Big killer? Do you want in your group? If you had to pick oh one God. of the big ones to be drawn into, if you had to uh, get one, well, if it okay, so Canada, um, if you're gonna do it, do it big. It'd be kind of cool, <laughs> just because Canada is part of the Commonwealth. If you're from a European mm-hmm. standpoint, England, um, it's always fun to play England, no matter. Yeah, I, I love beating England. She's biased. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also find there is a uh, a lot of British style individuals that cover the sport in canada and they yeah i noticed that yeah it's all it's all they they like the guy okay let's grab the english guy and put him on air because he has the sport um but they are and this is me being a total asshole to be honest where they they sometimes are disparaging to other nations uh Mm -hmm. spain portugal greece italy like the way they they, they talk about other Mm -hmm. countries argentina and so on it's very annoying so to me to have you know get canada against england Get get some of that hatred or rivalry building up against the the Commonwealth in a sense. That'd be kind of cool. So from a European standpoint, I'll pick uh, so I'll pick one out of each continent. It'd be kind of cool <laughs> uh, for England. Um, just from a fun, you know, I know Brazil is still not at its prime. Brazil, but just it's always fun Bra- to play yeah, Brazil. <laughs> fun play Brazil. It's just the, the idea of fiesta behind it, things of the sort. And the whole uh, world's watching when Brazil plays. You'll yeah. have the whole world. This is attention. Yeah. Argentina, <laughs> we kind of need just because it's going to be Messi's last World Cup, so mm-hmm. be kind of cool, also, right? But yeah, I'd kind of take Brazil, just a little bit more fun on that side. Um, going to. Um, Let's say friggin' uh, Asia would be uh, to me because South Korea. I think I don't know. This personal. Yeah, I, I do like South Korea. That's uh, just a random one that I got you could always out. draw the home nation too. You could always draw Qatar. Oh, that'd be that'd be crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> I'd be scared. I always get scared when a uh, World Cup and home nations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Um, it, it just scares the crap out of me. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, and then uh, out of Africa, Africa. Let's say if I was to pick one. Uh, I'd have to actually double check the standings because yeah, Algeria is a really good team. But if I had to pick one here, I, I think I'd go. We have a lot of just think of domestic. We have a lot mm-hmm. of Egyptians. Egypt, yeah. like they're they're good to go. Um, so it'd be kind of fun to get mm-hmm. that side. 
uh, if I was picking something out of that region. But yeah, it's kind of pie in the sky. I really don't care who we get. Expectations, you know, Canada's never done anything. So if we go to the World Cup and nick a win, get yeah. a draw, and just just being there is is a feat. And personally for me, I, I think this was the way that they started came from really a couple of years ago, just uh, three years ago, was under the premise that Canada, U.S., and Mexico are hosting a World Cup. Yeah. Um, let's try to build a league. We know that Canada will likely be in the World Cup then for that tournament. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's coming so early, so quick, that we're actually making it to a tournament. And I would love it. I know there's rivalry between Mexico and the U.S., things of sort, but it would be nice to have Canada, U.S., and Mexico in this World Cup. Yeah. As part of the drawing, and these are the teams that are hosting the next tournament. It's cool to have them in that tournament. You know what I mean? That's yeah. That's that's fun. I, I like that. It, it'd be very neat to kind of see that. And I think a strong Canada makes a better Concacaf. Um, with no disrespect to Costa Rica or Panama, but it's it's a stronger Concacaf when Canada is better. Um, I like it well, with, it's, it's with made, these it's, three it's, it's at made, the top. It's made these these games far more exciting. Um, it, and three legitimate teams now. You have three teams on that are legitimate contenders. The next Gold Cup should be fantastic as long as everybody goes in full full strength. I think it's going to be the best one yet. Yeah, I think all of a sudden it changes the whole narrative because the Gold Cup is always, you know, USA, Mexico, and a surprise, right? Now, yeah. if all of a sudden you have three teams that are actually competitive, yeah. plus a surprise like uh, Panama or Honduras or Costa Rica, whichever one's on their, on their form at the time. Um, it becomes a funner tournament because we're entertaining. Uh, it adds a bit more value. Hopefully, the players like it a bit more. See with the fans. Um, it, I think Concat needs this. I, I think one of the biggest items that they're talking. I forget which U.S. men's player said this caused a bit of uh, fuss. Uh, God, I can't remember the guy. He uh, said a, a bit about why U.S. players don't want to be in the MLS and why they want to go to Europe. And, and part of it was a competition and, and and some of the there's you know this kind of snobbery that kind of happens. Say, well, MLS mm-hmm. is more parity. There's more competition. You don't want to yeah. go to play PSG there. You know, you go to play in France and where's the competition of that? And I'm like, right. that's not it. It's the cups, the champions leagues, the Europa leagues, right? The various leagues. things. So it's, it's that kind of th- item. And if Canada gets better, the Canadian premier league gets better. We have forged it extremely well in the CONCAF league. And so now we got two Canadian teams and the champions, mm-hmm. league, right? The better this, and I think this is the weakness that the U S media has Same with Canadian media. They got to give more love to CONCAF. I know it's not yeah. perfect, but you got to create more hype around it because yep. that makes Treat it a little it bit more fun. Yeah, just, yeah, it's it's nice to win the MLS. It's nice to win the Canadian Premier League. It's nice to win the League MX. But they should hype up that Concacaf Champions League more. I, I know agree. The Mexicans like it, but it's you need that tournament to get more excitement because I think that's what will breathe breathe more life into to kind of the, the league and the, the sport mm-hmm. in North America. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. And now, you, now you have the interesting thing of the Canadian teams in MLS plus the Canadian teams in the CPL. Um, the purists obviously don't like it down here. I don't know. Is there any sentiment in Canada saying that the Canadian MLS team should be in the Canadian league or is the, you no, guys there, are there, used there, to playing in no, American no, leagues? So there, it's... There, there is in a sense of there's some people that would like it as one league. I, I'm one of those people that personally, I just, in this, I, I will tick off Canadians quite <laughs> often when I, when I say this, I hate that Canada piggybacks on the Americans. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Americans or no. the Canadians, but the reality is uh, you look at hockey, NHL, we love hockey. We don't got a domestic hockey league. Yes, there's the AHL and the OHL and all these other like, subdivisions. Mm-hmm. But the prime, it's, and you kind of look at basketball, if it's not in an American league, it's never survived. The only thing that has ever survived in Canada was the CFL, which is uh, the longest running football. You know, sure. it's longer than the NFL. Um, but it's, it's always been very constrained to this, like, seven eight team league that's never grown it's like this kind of niche sport that's kind of neat how it's run but at the same time it's never it, they've struggled to ever make it higher up in, in the rankings king premier league is kind of neat where they're trying to break further have more clubs officially next season when they add a few more teams they're going to surpass the cfl you're talking about an over 100 year legacy about yeah. surpassed within only three years in terms of the number of teams and, and kind of attendance starting to go up um and if that continues to grow, it's nice to see it domestically. You know, it kind of bugs me. But at the same time, where TFC, the Whitecaps, the impact are based on budget and money and league, it just makes more sense. Yeah. Um, for the health of the sport, it'd be nice if there's a bit more separation. The MLS definitely would not like that. I think in MLS's dream world, they, if they were able to convince some of the Mexican teams to join the MLS, they would love it. because they, they, they would love it. And they, I'm sure those talks go on every day. Yeah. Um, 
I don't like that, but that's because it takes away from the CONCACAF Champions League when you start to merge. And, you know, the other problem is the the model here in North America. Those TFC, uh, um, Vancouver Whitecaps, and they're not the impact anymore. I'll always call them the impact. Yeah, I always CF call Montreal. Matter, just, just, just for the banter-wise, because it is Montreal, and kind of from so, a Paris standpoint, there's a rivalry. You know, they want to be called the, the snowflakes. Sure, yeah. they're a bunch of snowflakes. <laughs> the, the, the fact is they are franchises of MLS. They're not clubs yeah. that came from the ground up and were, you know, played their way in. So it's different than – because everyone compares it to the England-Wales situation with Welsh teams playing in the English setup like Cardiff City and Swansea. But those teams don't go to Europe to represent Wales. They represent England when they go into Europe. Yeah. Um, it's really it, it. Concacaf has allowed this, so now it's it's an interesting situation it's, it's, where it's where TFC plays seating. in MLS but has to go through Canadian competitions to get into yeah. Concacaf. And the one thing I loved, I'll say this much, is at least in the U.S., you guys always had your your your, your cup, right, where you have mm-hmm. the other teams yeah, from the, the other leagues. Yeah, so you guys you guys have always had. Well, Canada always had this. A Voyagers Cup, which was very the Voyagers are the sports group for the, the yeah. national team, and the Voyagers pushed. Uh, the Voyagers Cup idea to say, let's have a domestic cup. And yes, I know we only got three teams. We got the Ottawa Fury. Let's throw them in there. Or mm-hmm. Edmonton, when they had a team prior to this game. Sure. And, and we'll have like a, a four-team little cup. And it's always been a four-team little cup. And now that's how you get your CONCAP spot. Having a full bracket now, this past year, seeing the bracket, seeing Canadian Premier League teams knocking out MLS teams in a tournament is very cool. Um, yes, TFC won it, but it's a fact that you have these really tight matches now happening. It's breeding competition. Anytime you have a table, a bracket style of tournament, it's so much fun. And now more mm-hmm. clubs involved. I think that's really widening the, the excitement from it. Um, the way they currently, currently have it is that winner of the Canadian Premier League gets the CONCACAF League. The winner of the Canadian Cup gets the Champions League. I really hope they widen that Champions League to give them at least two spots. So at least it guarantees a yeah. Premier League club in there. Right. I agree. But yeah, it's, I, I think it's fun. I think that one thing that does hurt North America quite a bit is also the seasonality of how we run the sport in the summer mm-hmm. in the U.S. and in Canada. Yeah. Whereas the CONCACAF is about to start in February. I know Hamilton yeah. is at the, at the match. They have the big banner saying, okay, in a few weeks, we're <laughs> facing uh, Cruz Azul. And right. We're going to face the Mexican team. We're going to completely trash the Forge, but we're there for fun. Yeah. But it, it's like... we. I sit there and I go, shit, yeah, I forget, man. The season just ended, but we got a match coming up. And it's one of these things where it's like... How's the squad? Is the squad even training? It it doesn't set up the Canadian American teams up for success mm-hmm. in, the, in the CONCAF either. So I always kind of hope they retool. I, I like the CONCAF league for us because it kind of pairs in the fall. Yeah. So we're having the full season or prime right. season. Also, we start having these CONCAF league games throughout the summer. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun in the middle of the season. It feels like it's part of the season. And the CONCAF league pretty much ends as soon as our season's wrapping up also. So it kind of is only a few weeks difference. Um, so it feels more natural. I, I wish that the Champions League also ran that schedule, but obviously I know that other countries aren't on that schedule. Mm-hmm. And and not to be, yeah, I'm a purist, winter sport, but at the same time, know where the money is. And if you look at uh, the U.S., um, the amount of wealth there, and uh, yeah, you look at Canada. Canada's a G7 nation. Like, yeah, our, G- our GDP is higher than Russia. You know, Russia right. is a big bad nation out there, but we right. actually have more money made here than the Russians mm-hmm. do as an entire nation. Right. Um, a lot of sponsorship dollars, things of sort. The, the CONCAF League is sponsored by Canadian dollars. It's Scotiabank that sponsors the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would think it'd be smart for them, especially if I'm Honduras and Panama and some of these other countries that, you know, the leagues don't have much wealth. Start lighting up your season with the U.S. and Canada. Like, it's I, just, I, it I flow it a little that, nicer. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people think that the U.S. and Canada need to shift their calendar. It's We saw this week. We can't have games like this all the time in this it's weather. Fun. It's, no, it's, it's, it's fun. fun it ha- but that's it. When it's yeah. a one-off, it's fun. But if people are not going to go week in, week out in this weather. And I know there's ways around it. But at the end of the day, I don't think we should be adopting the European calendar here. We have a different climate. We have a d- different seasons. And we also have a lot more travel. And flights get canceled in the winter as well. You know, and uh, we see that in the NBA and in the NFL sometimes. I mean, the NHL sometimes, you know, a blizzard comes through and you lose a night of, of flights. Um, lastly, yeah. before we go, I just want to get your prediction for Wednesday night. Canada and El Salvador, what do you what do you got? Ooh, I, I have a, just because we're riding so high right now. <laughs> it's the guy who's coming back. He's on rest of legs. I, I'm going to give us, I'm going to give us a win. I think 
El Salvador will put up a, a little bit of a decent fight, but the reality is they're pretty much out of this out of this tournament. Um, they're they're playing for pride, and for us, we could potentially with that win, depending on the Panama Mexico situation, pretty much lock it in and qualify, right? So, yeah, I think I think if Mexico wins, if they're at seventeen points for Panama, we're at twenty two. We got a win, we're at twenty five points. That is a that's an eight point gap with three games remaining. You're looking oh, good it, at that point. It doesn't fully clinch it, but it's almost there. And I think if these guys want to try to clinch it sooner, so you're just doing a victory lap at the end, not let mm -hmm. it go chance at all. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mario, for joining me tonight. It was fun hearing your perspective, being at the match. Um, again, I think Canada's playing phenomenally. I can't wait to see them at the World Cup next year. That's exciting. So no, not yet, not guaranteed, but soon <laughs> enough. Man. I'm like, I yeah. keep telling myself, don't. <laughs> I think you're going to be there. <laughs> yeah, so this is least speaking. Like, even actually on Wednesday, so if technically Canada win, if the U.S. lose to Honduras, uh, Panama loses to Mexico, and Costa Rica doesn't win either. It could be clinched on it Wednesday. Gets, actually, it actually gets clinched on Wednesday, but I really think that yeah, the States should win their match, especially I think Honduras mm -hmm. right now is uh, kind of in tatters. Um, and, yeah, man, I, just, I think the Mexico-Panama, though, I think if I'm Panama – 